This is a podcast for Journal of Applied Ecology, a British Ecological Society publication. Hello and welcome to Applied in 5, the Journal of Applied Ecology, where we discuss new research in an accessible, bite-sized format of five minutes or thereabouts. In today's episode, I'm joined by Paula Priest, who is one of our shortlisted authors for the 2022 Southwood Prize. This is a yearly award which celebrates early career research. Without further ado, let's jump straight in. Could you give us a bit of background about yourself and how you got into ecology? So my name is Paula Pliz. I am a Brazilian ecologist. And currently I am working for Eco Health Alliance in New York, but I still have projects in Brazil. Okay, so I was born in Brazil and I think because of that and because Brazil has the highest biodiversity of the world and we have the Amazon forest and I am really proud of that is really hard not to fall in love with nature because we, even like I'm from Sao Paulo, which is a very big city, but I grew up in a tropical forest very close to Sao Paulo, which is just 30 minutes away, surrounded by animals, holler monkeys, quatties. And I think because of that, and also because we have the highest deforestation of the world, uh, it's something that if you if you love the nature and if you grow in this environment, it's, it's really easy just to, to dive into the ecology and, and, and just give your life to try to do something, to really try to protect the amazing biodiversity and forest that we have in here and we know that are so important for like the entire world. So I think this is how I end up like doing an ecology. Like it's, I don't know, it seemed, it seemed so like natural. And I think it's because I am a Brazilian and I, I, I grew up in the middle of the forest and the animals. <laughs> As I think when you, you grow up and you see all, all this destruction, you just want to do something to try to, to stop this. It's like you had just like a real calling to it. Can you briefly summarize the research in your paper and how it advances the field? So in this paper, we were trying to understand how the yellow fever virus was moving through a highly fragmented uh, landscape in the Sao Paulo state of Brazil. And we found that the virus can move almost one kilometer per day, which is, is a lot, and sometimes even seven kilometers in just one day. And we also saw that the virus uses very specific landscape features to move. So it doesn't use any landscape element, every landscape element, but it really we need to have a very specific landscape that allows the movement of the virus. And we saw that the virus is using uh, forest corridors, very narrow ones that have less than 100 meters in width, and uh, roads that are really close to these forest areas. So the virus is using this, this highly fragmented and small corridors to move disperse and just increasing the 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 threat to people. And this paper was uh, something that it was really new in the area because it was the first time that we were really seeing how the landscape can re restrain or uh, facilitate the movement of uh, a virus and how we can try to use this to create landscapes that can be healthier for people, what we we try to say with our results, we can try to build guidelines when you're going to legal the forest or when you're going to restore an area to try to 
restrain the movement of the virus and protect both the holler monkeys and people that live close to these areas. Sounds really, really novel. Really, really, really interesting. Yes. So have you continued this research? And if so, where are you currently at with it now? Indirectly, we are continuing this research because, as always, this research uh, just makes us think of lots of new questions. And one of them was that uh, if you have this very specific landscape that is, is highly fragmented with several corridors connecting other fragments, and this is bad for yellow fever virus, and how forest restoration projects, they they need to, to create these new landscapes. So we will make sure that we won't have this increase in zoonotic disease risk and uh, mosquito-borne disease and other infectious diseases. So because of this project now, I have uh, one project that is being funded by NSF and FAPESP with a lot of partners here in Brazil, where we are going to really try to understand what is the best way to restore tropical forest areas to avoid this increase in the transmission risk of some infectious diseases? I was going to say, I can really see the, the actual kind of applied aspect of it coming through really strongly. Yeah, the idea is really to create guidelines because we are going to measure several landscape composition and configuration aspects at the moment you are restoring an area and of how you are doing the forest restoration, so in which configuration the new sites they, they need to be and etc. So we are going to evaluate all of this to try to create guidelines. And of course, it's not to, to say to people, don't restore, but it's only, okay, in these conditions, if you're going to do forest restoration, probably you can increase the risk of some diseases. So we can avoid and we can mitigate that by other things. You can use long leaves, we can talk to people, we can avoid the contact with this wildlife, but we need to understand which situations we need to include these preventive measures to avoid people to get infected. And this is what we want to do. And of course, if possible, and if you can, just restore in that configuration, just create like this kind of, of forest patch, because this is going to decrease the risk and not increase the risk. <laughs> Leading on from that quite well, actually, um, what did you most enjoy about conducting the research? Uh, it was really interesting to see the, the results. I think we, we have an idea about what is going to happen when we start a research because we have our, our hypotheses and uh, predictions. But it was a, a real surprise when we, we saw that landscape. How is the landscape that facilitates the movement? And this was really something really really interesting and also we had a very like we have lots of co-authors in this this paper that were really really important and we were working together with the the health state department here in sao paulo so this exchange of knowledge was really really very good and very important yeah no definitely kind of similar to that but were there any standout experiences or like funny moments from the research that that really stood out to you i don't know if funny moments but this exchange with all the uh, collaborators but also it took one and a half years to model this and i remember that i was thinking oh my god if the reviewers they ask for like change the model like just run again because you need to make sure that 
I I, I would just need to I I would just need to to ask the the journal if I can have a two year extension to answer because <laughs> it took me one and a half years to just to run the model in a very good uh, computer in the cloud of of Uspi. So it was not only on my so on, on on my physical computer. We were using the best technology that we had at the time, mm-hmm. and I was desperate. I said, Oh my God, if we need to change anything, we need to include any more variables. If they're not happy and we, we need to do anything else, it's just not going to be possible because it's too time consuming. Yeah, yeah. A huge like undertaking. Yes. <laughs> um, what would you say is the best thing about being an ecologist? For me, I think is uh, the contact with nature. I really love it and the possibility to really understand how these interactions happen and understand a little bit more about how the world functions. So this is really interesting. Like when you are like in the middle of a forest and you start like really understanding how everything is connected and this this interlinkage between everything, it's I think it's is amazing. Well, a bit of a kind of reverse of that one, but what would you say is the worst thing about being an ecologist? Oh, the worst part of being an ecologist, I think, is because we try so hard to to make knowledge to to try to preserve forests and biodiversity and all of this, but at the end, is really a political decision. Mm. So we can we can give all the knowledge that we we can to, to the world, but at the end, it doesn't really matter sometimes. You can you can create the knowledge, but it's what's then done with that knowledge and how it's like acted on. Exactly, and and sometimes the decision makers they really use the knowledge to do something good, but sometimes they just don't care, and this is really frustrating. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then finally, quite a nice follow-on from this: if you could give one piece of advice to someone in your field, could be someone who's you know very consolidated, could be someone just starting out. You know, even even an undergrad like masters, what would you say? A piece of advice. This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it would be just do what you really like because work it 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 has to be fun and it you need to love it and this is really important. I think if you love, we spend so much time doing field work, so much hours. Uh, writing papers and doing analysis that if you don't feel passionate about what you're doing is really hard to to do something good i agree they say you never work a day in your life if it's something you enjoy so (laughs) on that note that's the end of the podcast thank you very much for joining me